Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Goddess of Crypto. I'm so excited today. I have with me a friend, a woman who I've known for a while. I have to say I internet stalked her until I could get to meet her. I was so excited, but we've been talking for several months now. Luna Hawk. That's not her real name, but that is her name in the crypto space, which is very important. So for privacy purposes, et cetera. And also it's how she's known around the crypto space. I'll give you all of her contact info at the end. The sacred divine feminine is creative, abundant, flowing, receiving, and disruptive. And the new energy of money, including cryptocurrency, decentralized finance, NFTs, and even the metaverse is all these things too. Welcome to the Goddess of Crypto, a weekly show where women who are already in this powerful space will cover these topics simply so you can relax into knowing that the future of finance is female. Luna is here today to talk to us about some of the stuff that she is an expert on. Specifically, we're going to be talking about NFTs because like, what the heck are those? And DAOs, because is that like some Chinese philosophy? I mean, we definitely have got new lingo and new things we're learning. And Luna Hawk is here to share. So hi, I'm so glad you're here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Talk a little bit, everybody, about your background and why you personally chose to go into crypto. Back in the day, someone I was dating was actually really big into Bitcoin. This was before Ethereum was even a thing. And being in that scene and around crypto all of the time, I was like, ooh, I'm going to put some money in here. I'm going to try it. And at the time, I didn't quite have a lot to put aside but I just started doing it over time and it stuck. And then I started going to conferences and I kept going down and down the rabbit hole, deeper and deeper. And here we are eight years later. It's been a journey for sure. Yeah. That's how you know you were exposed to it. But what made you decide, hey, I want to do this for myself. And hey, I think it's got a lot of value. So I've always kind of been on the outskirts of mainstream culture starting with music. I used to tour with Fish and loved the Grateful Dead. I was a little too young to tour with them. Yeah, I was always kind of on these like periphery types of cultures and groups. And so when crypto came in, I was like, ooh, this is so interesting because it's moving away from mainstream financial worlds that we are used to. And I just found that to be such an interesting space And so I wanted to like go more. And then it's kind of that like devious trickster kind of vibe going on with crypto. I feel like it's not traditional finance and there's a lot that can go into it. It's interesting, as you said about, you said trickster and devious, that's the Loki energy and the Cocopelli energy. And you're right about that. Although I really do see it moving more into the mainstream. And that was actually one of the main reasons that I wanted to start the podcast in the first place is I kind of feel like we've hit that tipping point of it's time for like everybody to get in. So I feel like as that happens, that's going to kind of move more away from that Loki energy and further into the straight new energy of money. But to your point that there's going to be a fairly lengthy ramping up until it feels like it's really mainstream. It's just things seem to be happening 
faster. Like I'm thinking about the internet and you know, around 93 to 95. And then like the dot-com thing happened. And by 98, 99, everybody knew about it. It was really becoming a thing. So even if things happen faster than that, I would say like 2022 is like the year of the mainstream for crypto. But I really feel like it was 2021 because that was like when everybody was like, what's this Bitcoin stuff? And <laughs> why do I need to know about that Shiba Inu dog and the Doge dog? And that's what I heard from a lot of people. What caused you to get super excited about NFTs? And, and before we move into that, I'm just going to ask, I have my own definition of what an NFT is. What would you say an NFT is? Well, NFT stands for non-fungible token. And that makes no sense to people that are Anyone. Not in the industry. And also- I'm telling you, the first time I heard about it, I was like, what? It has to do with mushrooms. It involves things being growable or not growable. That makes sense, right? <laughs> That's really I funny because like, no, I actually fun. have a mushroom NFT project coming up because I was interested in like the mycelial network of NFTs. NFTs, it's honestly just, I call it like a digital signature of authenticity. So you imagine a Picasso that's been signed and then to make sure that's actually a Picasso, you have a piece of paper that says, this is certificate of authenticity and it's signed by someone. That's basically what an NFT is, but it's done on the blockchain. Yes. And yeah. I want to get your explanation for what that is as well. It's like a neural network of computers that are doing computational mathematical problems to secure networks. Okay. I know this isn't accurate technically, but I think of the blockchain as like the building blocks of decentralized finance transactions and other transactions because the basis for crypto, but it's not necessarily... I don't know if I would say that DeFi is the basis for NFTs, but blockchain is underneath all of the NFTs. So to me, blockchain is the pieces that go next to each other chained into an unbreakable line to make sure nobody can bust in the middle, change something, and therefore defraud someone. The fact that these blocks are all chained together is what makes all of the processes and all of the contracts safe. Would you agree that for layman's terms or whatever, that we were both kind of saying different sides of the same thing? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of like the internet. We don't really understand how the internet works, but it works. So blockchain is the basis upon which all of these decentralized finances are built upon. So we don't yeah. like necessarily need to understand the technological aspects of it, but it is an interesting visual to me at least. You described them completely accurately. To me, an NFT is a smart contract. What you just described was the NFT asset. And I think that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time talking about is like the art pieces. And because that's really the first wave of NFTs has been art. But people now think that NFTs are just signatures for digital art, let's say, or the digital version of a physical art piece. Like I saw there was a thing from Paris Hilton saying, I bought my piece of Banksy's latest work. And are you going to be my neighbor? And I was like, they must be talking about buying like another piece of it next to Paris Hilton. Because you can fractionalize the art now, like a plot of land or something. So you can be Paris Hilton's virtual NFT neighbor. 
But for me, the idea of NFTs is a lot bigger. So I'm going to say that just today, I know you know this, but for the people who are listening today, we're going to focus not on this aspect of NFTs, just on the art aspect of it. Because Luna Hawk, you are an NFT creator, correct? I am. Yeah. I'm excited for you. I I can actually say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, talk about that. As an artist, what caused you to decide to make your first NFT and in as much layman's terms as you can, which means you can do it as big picture as you want. What was the process like for you creating that first one? I would say it was February, 2020. NFTs were just becoming a thing or I had least just heard about it. As an artist, I always love being in the crypto space. I couldn't speak necessarily to the technical terms of everything, but this intersection of art and NFTs is now a space that I can be in crypto, be involved and like learn different things about it. So for me, it was more of like, oh, wow, this is like in the world that I'm in. This is so exciting and it's art and I'm an artist. And like, it was just this very like, aha, very excited moment, kind of like puppy dog, like, yay, that's how it started. And I created a first grouping and it was, I did Doge pop art because I love dogs and my friend had a Shibu Inu, so I like used one of the photos of her Shibu Inu, and I just made it super colorful and playful and put them up on OpenSea. One of the most popular platforms for selling NFTs, right? Yeah, for it's also NFT an aggregation. Art. It's an aggregation site, so it will take any NFTs that are on these sites that they speak to, and it puts them all together. So if you go on my OpenSea, You'll see that I have a piece from Rarible. I have a piece on Foundation. So I could use other platforms, but this all comes in here. And yes, you can sell and buy and trade on OpenSea as well. Okay. So keep going. So you decided to put the pop art up and what happened? Someone bought one. I later tracked it down. Did that shock you? It did actually. I was like, oh, this has to be someone I know. Like I was like, it has to be. Later did find out it is a friend of mine who is well-known in the space, but he didn't tell me. He just did it slyly. And so I felt like super cool and, ooh, I sold an NFT. And then from then on, I was like, I'm an NFT artist, which it did evolve from there, but that was the beginning. (laughs) Oh, that's so great. Yeah. So how many pieces do you have that are NFTs now? 35. Wow. Okay. And 35 that are listed or 35 total that are sold or available to buy? My intersection of the NFT market is I've actually been commissioned through a DAO to create NFTs. So it's kind of the non-traditional way of getting paid for my work. So these pieces that I create, it's two separate proposals of 10 images each. The first 10 went to people who were the first 10 proposals that passed in the DAO. I know that's like a lot of words, but In a DAO, anyone can write a proposal, it gets voted on. And then if it passed, I gifted them this NFT and transferred it into their wallet. And then the second set is going to this particular DAO's treasury. And from there, they have the option to sell it, to hold on to it, to gift it, to auction it off. So it's kind of a unique way to do that. So that accounts for about 18 of them now. And then I have two more that are left in that series. 
Okay. So you said a lot of different stuff that I want to take a little bit of a deeper dive on each thing that I think it'll help for people to understand. And then I have my questions. So first of all, how would you define a DAO? DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization, which again, like NFT means nothing. So (laughs) Okay. Yeah. But so hang on, let's back up a little bit. Decentralized, I know means it really doesn't belong to any one entity. And I like to think of it as there's no gatekeeper. Like decentralized means it belongs to everybody and it belongs to everybody equally. And I have to say that as I was getting into the DeFi and crypto space, I love the by the people for the people aspect of all of it. The more I see like that, the happier it makes me. I will say that I've already seen DAOs that have been faked and DAOs that aren't actually decentralized and As I say to everybody constantly when I do these episodes, do your own research, learn what you're doing. Don't just get involved because you see something and you go, hey, let me leap and just see what happens. Unless it's like, I want to buy Bitcoin on Cash App or something that's like really straightforward that you actually can do these days. But if you're going to get into something like a DAO, then just do it, get in a little bit more slowly and just make sure that it's something that's really trusted. Okay. So decentralized means there's no gatekeeper for it. And so now talk about what the DAO organization itself really functions as. So a real DAO, because like you said, there are DAOs that still have like CEOs and CFOs and executive teams. And it's like, that's not decentralized. Not a DAO. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a DAO. But there are some DAOs out there that are saying that they are that with those. So I definitely do my research, check the website, see what's going on. But an actual DAO does not have any of that. There is no executive team. And the community, the one that I'm particularly connected with is the Shapeshift DAO. So for that community, there is a token, a Fox token that you can use to vote on these proposals. I could buy Fox mm-hmm. on a crypto platform. And you that can buy would it on be- Coinbase now and the Shapeshift app. And Coinbase is a very mainstream crypto platform. So I could buy the token or the coin and then having a certain like a minimum number would allow me to have a vote. Is that correct? You could have one and still vote. And yeah, so it's just the community has joined together. They've created a mission together. People have organized into different structures and been hired to do different things for short lengths of time. And then it's always reassessed and everything's super transparent. So all of the money in the DAO, you can see exactly where the treasury is at, what money is being spent on. Everything is out there for you. So there's no like, what did the marketing work stream do with that money? It's like, oh, no, we know exactly what happened because here's the treasury. And you can see on chain that this, this and this happened. Define on chain before you move on. Okay. If a transaction has been made, so these are Ethereum-based transactions through the Fox token, it will be written on the blockchain. And so it's recorded. So it'll be like OXAD, blah, blah, blah. And you'll see, oh, that was sent to OFDX, blah, blah, blah. Which are the numbers, the very, very long numbers of the wallets that they're coming from and going to. And it's really interesting because there's something called Explorer. And whenever you do a crypto transaction, you can see on the Explorer exactly what Luna's talking about. 
And it is completely transparent. Again, one of my favorite things about DeFi in general, you can see where the money is going. You know how we've got this thing in our vernacular, we're always like, like, follow the money, because then you can find out like where the mendacity is, or where the lying is, where the illegal Ponzi scheme. No, there's none of that. Like everything is transparent and you can see every single transaction. I was just looking at a scam that took place years ago where a bunch of Bitcoin was stolen. They, uh, there was a news story today that Bitcoin has just been transferred from one wallet to another. And they can see the whole transaction. They can see where the money was taken. They can see where it was put. They can see it moving. They can't get it back in this particular case because they were unable to. There have been other cases where money has been like ransomware has been paid in Bitcoin and it's been totally recovered and a lot more so and a lot more often than most regular you know, dollar fiat currency. But I digress. Let's go back to the Dow. And you said you're a part of the Shapeshift Dow, which is one of the bigger ones that's out there. Then you said that they had hired you to do the NFTs and then those NFTs were gifted to people once the proposals were accepted, but the proposals were voted on by everybody in the DAO. Is that correct? Now, why do I want to vote on a proposal? Like, what's the value to me as a member of the DAO to vote on a proposal? Why do you feel like that's important? So I can speak only to myself and how I feel about it because I have an interest in the Fox token and I want the token price to go up. I'm going to vote for things that are aligned with my vision that I think will make the DAO profitable or make it gain more interest or bring more. So they're just doing a lot of unique, interesting things with other DAOs also. And if everything keeps going well, the number could potentially go up. So I don't know if by law I'm allowed to say that. I don't know if that like makes oh, it well, crazy, we're, we're, but... This is a non-financial... <laughs> show. And I know pretty much they don't really have laws around crypto yet. There's this whole thing about you have to be licensed. I was talking to somebody yesterday who's been a futures trader for like, I don't know, 40 years or something. And we were talking about him acting as a broker in crypto. And I said, well, most people don't have their own crypto brokers. Most people just do it directly. But the thing is, there's no licensing for trading other people's crypto. Whereas if you want to trade somebody else's dollars, you've got to get licensed to do that. That's going to change. But for right now, I think there's just not a lot of laws around all of this. So please say whatever you'd like, and we'll just assume that it's okay. Unfortunately, there are laws when you are an actual company. You have to be worried that the SEC is going to actually think your token or whatever is a security. Um, and there's just, yeah. there are a lot of issues that do come with that. But as far as the DAO, there is no one person, like no one human owns this DAO. It's its own thing. And actually, <laughs> one funny thing is at the beginning of the DAO, they wanted to like, somebody mentioned registering it in Wyoming because Wyoming has really good crypto laws. And it's okay. like, no, no, no. Like if you, actually make it into a company that defeats the whole purpose of the DAO. So like, no, like it doesn't work that way. And so it's really a new paradigm of money. It's a new paradigm of like business and potential work. That's so important what you just yeah. said, because I feel like in general, there are a lot of things that are changing in the way that we do business and coming quickly, the way that we interact with money and in what money actually is. 
And there was just a bill introduced in Arizona to have cryptocurrency currency, because at the moment it isn't considered actual money yet. Again, I think all of this, and I think you do too, it's only a matter of time, but it's really interesting in the meantime to we're in the middle of it and no one knows what they're doing yet, really, because it's being done for the very first time. So what you said about it being a paradigm shift, I just think is that can't be pointed out often enough. It's such a great reminder. It's like, you're learning, I'm learning, we're all learning because it's never happened before. And and that's what makes it really cool. I love the idea that the Dow is like a new and unique kind of company. I think that it feels like, again, by the people for the people is a good thing, at least until somebody decides they want to be in charge. And then that's like a whole nother thing. So let's get back to talking about NFTs, if that's okay. So art for now, and where do you see NFTs going? Like what other applications do you see that there will be for the smart contracts that are NFTs? I feel that it's endless. So we've started to see it in music. So you can actually, through Royal, have you heard of this? It's a Blau, he's a DJ in the scene and he created Royal and What it means is you can actually own a fractionalized piece of his music. And then anytime it gets played, like everyone's receiving funds back from that. So it's like, that's another like for the people, we the people, like everyone's involved. So that's super new, unique and really interesting. And you can also like have NFT ticket and then that gets you like backstage passes at X, Y, and Z show, or maybe you get like certain merch that's not available to the public because you have this NFT. Like there's so many things that it could represent. I've seen it. If you have like a really high-end bag, instead of like, you would get the NFT to show that this is a real bag. And so it's the proof of like, this is actually what it is so that you've been seeing that with like watches. So it's actually, it's a digital realm, but it's also coming into the real physical world, which is super cool. I also heard about a designer, a furniture designer who created a CAD drawing of like a chair, let's say, and the people that own the NFTs, that was like their rights to actually make those chairs. So they could go and have them fabricated or use that as a token to get their chair made. So like they have the rights to the design. So I see that that could happen with like house designs or who knows? That is endless. And so I think we'll start to see it come into like real estate transactions and yeah. bank transactions and all of that. So I feel excited because I don't know where it could go, but it could pretty much go. And I feel like anything you think is possible could be possible. Yeah. The guy that explained NFTs to me in the first place is making something called NFT the movie. And he talked about a refrigerator and the the idea that a refrigerator would have your warranty for the fridge would have a smart contract. And that smart contract would trace the ownership and tell you whether it was still under warranty for repairs. And so it would really streamline. I mean, because now it's like, oh, I got the piece of paper, but I didn't register it. And then I went and called the company and they said, well, yes, we'll take care of you, but where's your receipt? And like, it takes care of all of that. But I've talked to a lot of different people about NFTs, but not much on the show so far. Like, you're my NFT guest. And we're talking about the idea that 
you know, if you have a problem with your medical history right now, just to get your medical records from your doctors is a nightmare. And if you're somebody who gets sick regularly or you're dealing with some kind of disease, then you're going to have to go to maybe five different doctors and you're trying to gather all your medical records to give it to the sixth doctor, it would actually turn that all on its ear. So the NFT would mean you would own that your medical records would be all attached to the NFT that you have. And then you would share that information piecemeal, the fractionalized piece of it with the doctor that you wanted to. So it would really allow you to like take over your own record keeping. And I don't think it would mean that you had to trace it, but rather like it would happen automatically like that. And you would just give them your, your wallet address and that information would end up on the NFT when you got finished with your appointment, then you would have full control over it. And so for me, I feel like that's so freeing. And then it made me look at the medical system now. I'm like, well, why do we have to do it this way? Like we should do it that way right now. So we would definitely about need stuff some like more. That? One issue I could see with that is because it's so transparent, there'd have to be some sort of veil or something that would not allow everyone to see that NFT. Could you, so you like, could see that it existed without seeing the information that was Yeah, like it, you would correct. need something with that that way. Someone's not like, oh, like you had surgery on this day and Right, right. You know. Well, it, that's interesting because like what you're saying is on the blockchain, you can really see everything. And yeah. when it's available right now, I mean, this is, we were talking about the supply chain and how, again, this solves a lot of supply chain it issues is. because you can see where the lettuce was picked up in Honduras every single stop along the way until it got to your grocery store in Ohio. And when that happens and there's a salmonella breakout, you can trace it exactly to the right stop, which again, we that solves a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And there will be other supply chain issues that are solved by NFTs. I didn't think about that issue that you just brought up, but yes, they'll have they'll have to encrypt part of it or like you have to give out the encryption code key or something. I mean, I have that online right now. I had some minor, minor, minor surgery done a couple of years ago and everything was like triple encrypted just for me to be able to get to it, to send it to another doctor. So I feel like they'll figure like they'll figure that out. The thing I think that both terrifies and fascinates me is celebrity NFTs. And like when you were talking about Royal just now, you're talking about that world already, but also cutting out the middleman. I mean, the A&R people right now get 80% or 90% yeah. unless somebody's a huge, huge, huge artist. And the person that broke this down for me best was actually Macklemore (laughs) because (laughs) on Macklemore's first album, he talks about his part of his rap is the $100,000 contract that he was offered by the record people that he turned down to put his and Ryan Lewis's music on iTunes, which caused Again, a brand new thing in the industry. They cut out the middle people and they got really, really wealthy doing it. It caused every musician after to go, hey, maybe we should rethink this. So I'm going to be really curious to hear what happens because you just said that a guy who's a DJ, he's not writing his own music, right? He's mixing music, right? But he's giving access to the people listening And he's getting paid every time they do that, right? He gets a royalty from it. 
or I no? Believe so, and I think the people who own the NFT get the royalty too. I think Ken's the name Royal, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about the idea of celebrities like in 10 years or whatever, Paris Hilton or Angelina Jolie being an NFT? Well, I remember at the beginning, this was probably February 2021. We're in 22 right now. Yeah. So it was when Clubhouse came out and we were in a Clubhouse spaces with Gronk from, I guess at the time, would he have been with Tampa Bay or the Patriots? I don't remember, but he was doing like a trading card And I forget, it was like, I want to say like 4.3 million. It might've even been higher than that, but he was doing like auctioning off. And we were like listening to the live auction, watching on OpenSea in this clubhouse talk with him. So like he has them, Snoop Dogg has them. It's curious. People always want a a piece of like what's well known. So maybe it's a way for them to get that. I'm not sure. I've been thinking about a film script that's set 10 years in the future when celebrities are their own. Oh, like they're physically, that's what, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That gets Um, into like metaverse stuff. And then this person like bought a plot next to Snoop Dogg and he's like Snoop Dogg's neighbor, but it's in the metaverse. So then we get into like, what's reality? What's not? Like, Do they run into each other mowing their virtual... Lawn. lawn in the yeah. back. What's up with that? That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, how interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have some guests on who are going to talk more about the metaverse, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just fascinated by the whole thing. What do you think about the idea that there's going to be a bubble? I mean, you're talking about this one NFT selling for 4.3 million. I think the highest NFT has sold for something like $60 million, which is one artist almost his whole catalog. They said if you broke it down piece by piece, it was like $15,000 a piece. They were like, it was not as quite as unreasonable as the papers made it sound, but still $60 million is a lot. And if it hadn't been an NFT, if I'd been buying the physical catalog, I don't think anybody would have done that. But there's all this stuff about like Bored Ape and then Bored Ape Yacht Club and then Crypto Chicks and all of this stuff. And Some of it, like I look at the crypto chicks NFTs, these girls, they have their tongues out. They're kind of like licking their lips and they're super cool looking and they've got like tats everywhere and cool, crazy jewelry, but they're actually beautiful art pieces. Whereas I look at the bored ape stuff and I just think they look like bad cartoons. Hey, that's one art lover's opinion, right? And for other people, they think that the bored apes things are just the coolest thing ever. So I just want to know like, what do you think about all of the NFT icons and the art that is NFTs now? And what do you think about that market? Because I mean, I'm hearing a lot of stuff about it being a bubble. A couple comments to that. The Board Ape Yacht Club, I believe it's like a membership. So you get to go to these like private events, these private parties, you get swag. I don't know if you pay for the swag because I don't own one. And you get to hang out with Justin Bieber because he does. Yeah. What's interesting, though, is this art that we're speaking to was first created and then it's computer created. So you create the art and then there's code that's behind it. So now we have this whole new genre of art, which is generative art. And I think it's up to each person to determine what art means to them. So 
I can't say like, I think that's art. It's not for me. Like I like my crypto covens and I like the art of that, even though it is, I think they actually draw a lot of them. And then there's some generative art, but it's interesting because there's this new genre. And then also the NFT community has not been through a bear market yet. I never like to assume anybody knows anything when we talk lingo. So a bull market versus a bear market. The bull market is where everything's going up and the bear market is where everything's either going down or has gone down and it's just staying down. So where there's like the conservatives come out and say, see, we told you this was going to happen. So we've seen the bull market. We've been in the bull market for NFTs for a while. And so we haven't seen the bear market yet. You're absolutely right. That part's very curious to me because we don't know what's going to happen to the NFT marketplace. We could apply what's happened in the general markets to the NFTs, but we don't know that's going to happen. So let's just, for example, the past two weeks when numbers have been going down and it's all red, you're like, ah, lots of blood. Ah." Um, (laughs) My NFTs, the ones that I've purchased, have kept getting higher offers. So yes, the number has gone down, but the amount that I'm being offered has stayed up. So will the NFT marketplace be a different ecosystem than that, even though it's intertwined? So it'll be interesting to see that if they do experience the bear market, like many of us have on the other side, there's going to be a lot of like pain that comes in for sure. Because someone might be like, well, I still want 100 ETH for my Board Ape Yacht Club. And it's like, yeah, but that 100 ETH is not worth nearly as much as it was three weeks ago or whatever the number is. So it'll be interesting. I'm kind of like, hmm. And I would be totally happy and surprised if it created its own ecosystem without the other markets. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Very good. Excellent. Thank you so much. That was great. I just have one more question for you. What advice do you have for women who are not in the crypto space and who want to get started and who want to catch the wave before it becomes a tsunami? Ask a lot of questions. Don't feel stupid. Like even now I ask questions that I know I've asked like 800 times before because it just has to like get into the brain. Ask a lot of questions, do your own research. So say they're watching this podcast, look into who is on your Twitter page. Like, who are you requoting? Like, do you like Luna Hawk? Like, what have my past NFTs done? Like, really do my research into what is happening there. And you may mess up. Don't invest what you're not willing to lose. I always say that. And have fun with it. It's okay if I try something. Well, for me, I've made that okay. If I try something and let's say I lose X amount of money, I've made that okay in my mind because I have chosen this path. I'm going to make mistakes. Number may go down. Number may go up. I hope it goes up. Historically, it's continued to go up. In the future, I think it's going to go up. Like I'm very bullish on that. And just like get involved. I feel like most of the community is very welcoming. And if you find someone that's not, move on to the next person. And if you find someone who's like, I know it all, run. (laughs) If someone knows everything or is like, oh, it's definitely going to go up, you're going to 100x your thing. It's like, okay, slowly backs away. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes if it seems too good to be true, it might be too good to be true. 
Yeah. Somebody that gave me the push to get heavily into crypto after I had been scammed the first time. And, it, you know, I was, I was in in 2016, 17, and then I got scammed out of a couple of Bitcoin uh, 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 anyway. And then it was part of a $10 million scam. It could have been a lot worse. I only lost like a little bit. But anyway, when I went back in, he said to me, these numbers are going to look too good to be true, but trust them, they're not. And he was right. Like when the idea of something, stuff does go 100x, not everything, but it it does. does. (laughs) And if that's, you're not going to see that in the stock market, at least not quickly. So it's really apples and oranges over what you've seen in the past. And like everything else and why I'm a mindset coach, it's about 80% mindset and then 20%, 20%, like the technical aspect of it. It's holding fast to that. I'm sorry. There's one more thing that I feel is super important and I would I feel love like that. I'm doing a disservice if I don't share security. Yes, I don't have my real name out there. I also don't post my wallets that are holding certain NFTs because that to me is a security risk. Don't put your passwords in your phone, in your notes. You want to have really good hygiene around all of that. Make sure you have two-factor authentication on every app that you use. Don't ever reuse the password. Use a password generator, all these things, because you want it to be secure because there is security risk there. So I'm really big on security, and I feel like that's actually almost number one before you get into it to like understand that and then move into investing. Yep. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah that's very important for, no, I'm so grateful. And I always ask like, what's one more thing that you want everybody to know? And that was your one more thing. So yeah. I love that. I'll add to that. I heard about a woman the other day who said she just uses an old cell phone. She uses an old cell phone. Okay. She keeps all of her apps and everything that she's using on the cell phone, not connected to the internet, not connected to anything. And then when she wants to get online using her VPN, The VPN basically masks where the Mm -hmm. signal's originating from. So again, it's a protective thing. And there are free VPNs, but the paid ones are... I mean, I think I paid like, I don't know, $150 for two years or something. So it's really reasonable. I use Nord, if that helps. Yeah, I do too. I like like Nord as well. And I'll make sure that that link gets gets posted in the show notes for this episode for Nord, uh, since we both like it. She uses a VPN and she'll log on with her, basically her cold cell phone that only uses the crypto stuff. And then when she's done, she logs off and she puts it in a drawer, again, completely disconnecting it. And that's it. And it has its own SIM card and it she got a new SIM card to use it. And I think that that's probably what I'm going to do because it's so much less. The security risk for most of the stuff is just if somebody can grab it from you, not that you need to have this kind of wallet or that kind of wallet. That's because... You're trying to keep it separated out. But as again, this stuff moves more mainstream. And as you can start buying Bitcoin on Cash App, that's my example of how mainstream things have gotten. It means that you're going to have more risks because of the fact that it's going to be attached to your phone. So everything that Luna Hawk just said is absolutely accurate. And maybe consider doing all of that on cell phone because it'll keep you more protected. Yeah. And I like on a separate uh, cell phone. I like external hardware wallets. And things that I like won't travel with if I'm traveling and I don't keep a lot of money in centralized exchanges. So like I won't keep a lot of money in Coinbase. It's all external where they don't have my password because passwords could be hacked. We could do a whole session on that. Right? (laughs) (laughs) No, I so appreciate it. It's so very important. 
Well, Luna Hawk, I want to thank you so much for your time today. If people are interested in following you and getting to know your work, where are the best places to do that? Right now, I'm on Twitter at underscore Luna Hawk and Instagram. And then also not Discord because I don't really answer DMs because they're all scams. (laughs) So I would say probably Twitter is the best place to find me now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great. And and if you're into crypto, if you're interested in learning, Twitter is a wonderful space for that. I'm coming, I'm back in to Twitter for the first time in years. I, you know, I've been off for a really long time. Yeah. And I'm goddess of crypto with a zero at the end. And if you follow me and you look at my followers, you can find Luna Hawk. And if you follow her and you can find me because we follow each other and that's a really good way of doing it. So Thank you so much for being here today, Luna Hawk. I'm so grateful. And you did such a great job of explaining in all those plain language terms. So I'm very grateful for that. I'm sure all of our listeners are as well. If you enjoyed this episode of Goddess of Crypto, please comment, like, and subscribe. We are on 17 platforms plus YouTube. So I hope that you will pick your favorite and bring your friends. The more women... We tell about the crypto space, the more women we are teaching to surf the wave before it becomes a tsunami. So thank you so much for being here on this episode of Goddess of Crypto. And remember, the financial future is female. I love telling people that. I think we all need to like have t-shirts. Thank you so much. Every week, transformational wealth coach Hallie Evelyn leads a conversation that helps to ensure that women everywhere can learn to surf the coming tsunami of the new energy of money. You can find her at goddessofcrypto.me. That's goddessofcrypto.me. Be sure to subscribe to Goddess of Crypto on your favorite platform or watch the show on YouTube. And remember, wealth isn't just your privilege, it's your right.